Dr. Judy Pace, thank you so much for joining Fishing for Problems. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Great to catch up with you after all these years. Yeah. So um, before jumping into some of the questions, can you tell the audience just a little bit about your background, um, what you do, uh, where you teach? Sure. I am a professor in the teacher education department at the University of San Francisco. And I've been here for over 20 years now, which is hard to believe. Um, I came from the Boston area. I actually um, was a mostly middle school, mostly social studies and English language arts teacher, uh, mostly in progressive schools uh, in Cambridge and, and other places in Boston. And um, I went back to school for graduate school at the Harvard Graduate School of Education. And I worked for several years at Harvard Project Zero on some school reform projects. Um, was very, very interested in multicultural education and uh, issues of equity. And uh, yeah, came to San Francisco and have been a teacher educator ever since, working on a number of different research projects related to classroom teaching um, and its socio-political and cultural and institutional uh, factors. And um, most especially social studies education. Yeah, and along those lines, you recently published a book titled Hard Questions, Learning to Teach Controversial Issues. And the focus of that book is how teacher educators teach teachers how to teach controversial issues. I had Paula McAvoy and Diana Hess on the podcast to discuss controversial conversations in the K-12 space. So we've touched on part of this topic, but as you alluded to in an email exchange, the construct of controversial issues is bigger than simply having conversations in a high school classroom. So before getting into the why of this topic, which I'm excited to, to talk about along with your research, why you think this is such an important area of focus, can you first define what a controversial issue is? Yeah, well, I would say that, you know, that term controversial issues gets interpreted in so many different ways. But what really interests me is the way that we think about teaching controversial issues in the classroom, right? Um, I mean, in the real world, it gets conflated with lots of different current events that are happening and um, all, all kinds of things, social justice problems. But I'm really, really concerned with, you know, what it means to explore significant questions for society where it's really important to understand different perspectives and, um, take them up critically, and then give students the opportunity to deliberate on those different perspectives and come to some kind of position about what they think. So those controversial questions could have to do with policy or politics, like, you know, what's a fair refugee policy for the United States? They could have to do with history, like, um, how do we deal with the legacy of slavery? You know, what kind of reparations should be paid? Um, they could also have to do with cultural identity and affiliation. That's something that I learned from my research in Northern Ireland. It's very controversial as to how different communities express their affiliation. So um, controversial questions could apply in a lot of different subject areas and domains. But what's really at the heart of it for me, like I said, is um, designing lessons so that students have the opportunity to critically examine really important questions 
for society where significant groups disagree about what should be done or what happened. Um, and they get to discuss and deliberate different points of view with one another and think independently about what their own position is. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that. And your focus is on teacher educators and the way that they think about controversial issues, the way that they approach this topic in their work with pre-service teachers and the impact that they have on pre-service teachers. And you write that your work is valuable because there's a dearth of research examining how to train pre-service teachers to teach controversial issues in their classrooms. And you ask the question, quote, what actually happens when teacher candidates and new teachers try to apply in real world classrooms, what they've learned about teaching controversial issues, end quote. So can you talk about your study, your book, why you wanted to write this book and why you decided to focus on teacher education? Sure. So the idea for the study really came out of the last book that I published called The Charge Classroom, Predicaments and Possibilities for Democratic Teaching. Because in the final chapter, I um, charge teacher education with doing a better job of preparing new teachers to advance democratic education. And we know that teaching controversial issues is a cornerstone of democratic education. Um, there's lots of research that shows its benefits for students and society. And uh, what I realized was that, you know, there's lots of research on how to go about teaching controversial issues in really thoughtful ways, how it's shaped by all kinds of contextual factors, what various challenges are for teachers. But I realized that there really wasn't any research per se on how teacher educators can prepare new teachers to do this work. And, you know, I think that um, there's a big gap between our ideals for education and, you know, what actually happens in the classroom. And I see teacher education as a potential bridge for those ideals and realities. So I wanted to know how expert teacher educators were actually going about this work. Teacher educators who were intentional about not just discussing controversial issues with their pre-service teachers, but actually explicitly preparing them to do the work. So um, yeah, that's, that's why I thought that this would be a really important study. And the book grew out of the study. I mean, I didn't go in thinking, I'm going to write this book, but rather I realized that what I found, you know, made a significant contribution. And um, that's, that's what happened. And so for that book, you observed teachers in Northern Ireland, in the UK, and in the US, a few months ago, I interviewed Mark Tucker about his book, Leading High Performance School Systems, and he traveled all around the world observing what he perceived to be successful school systems. And this international comparative analysis is interesting as a way to learn from the experiences of others. And so I'm curious why you chose this approach. Why not just focus on teachers in the United States uh, and compare the work that they're doing across their classrooms? Um, and why those three countries as well? Mm -hmm. Well, I agree that there's so much to be learned from going to other locations. And I think that, you know, we we tend to be very U.S. centric in the way that we think about pretty much everything. So I, I knew that there was really important work in teaching controversial issues going on 
in different countries, and I thought that it would be fascinating to um, explore those those differences and the similarities, mm -hmm. and uh, that I would learn so much from staying in those different places and getting to know people and learning about teacher education and how it's done in different locations. So I um, used my professional network to recruit uh, participants and I was very intentional about who I was recruiting because like I said before, I really wanted teacher educators who were intentionally and concretely preparing their students to do this work. So that was number one. And then I followed a bunch of leads that I got from various colleagues and um, found two teacher educators in Northern Ireland who had been doing this work for a long time in very meaningful ways. And then I was supposed to go to South Africa, actually. Found somebody in South Africa. I thought that would be a fascinating context. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, uh, several months before I was put, well, just less than that, a couple of months before I was supposed to go, it turned out that there were all these student protests happening. This was in 2016, 2017, and classes were shut down. So my research participant or somebody who would have been, um, you know, basically said, I'm not sure that this is going to work for you to come because we're not holding classes. So unfortunately, I had to give that up. And I found somebody in the US, in the Midwest, which is another political hotspot because mm -hmm. it's very mixed, uh, very purple area where I was. And then in England, um, I found somebody who was recommended by one of my participants in Northern Ireland, who um, is a genocide educator. And it was really interesting looking at this in the context of history education. Um, there were other people that I was in contact with, but some of it was logistics, you know, scheduling. So if you're in the Southern hemisphere, then you're, you know, your vacations are scheduled for, you know, summer vacation is in the winter and so on and so forth. Um, so some of it was timing and logistics, but others of it had to do with context that I thought would be especially interesting where people were doing this important work in really thoughtful ways. And can you provide a little bit more on that context? Because it definitely was, I think, a core part of the, of the book um, and, uh, and how that context shaped the identities of the, the four teachers and ultimately the way that they thought about social studies education, about teaching controversial issues. Yeah, I think, you know, it was really most profound in Northern Ireland, because these were teacher educators who had lived through the troubles, you know, this 30 year period of violent conflict, and still and working, you know, for a long time to um, promote reconciliation and peace and political understanding in uh, a country that is still part of the United Kingdom, officially. Um, and where divisions run really deep. As a matter of fact, I don't know whether um, you've been reading anything about the recent riots that have happened in Belfast and Derry, two major cities in Northern Ireland, because of the whole Brexit situation. You know, Northern Ireland has special status um, because there has been an open border between Northern Ireland and Ireland, and that really got thrown into question because of Brexit. As a matter of fact, that was one of the most controversial questions in trying to settle the whole Brexit issue. Um, and there are people who are, are really upset that the border has continued to remain open and that there are all kinds of trade implications. They want Northern Ireland to just be part of Britain. 
um, and to operate under the same policies under Brexit. So there has been violence um, over the last several days. And I was emailing with one of my research participants, Mark, you remember Mark, mm -hmm. um, and he was saying that, you know, the violence will subside, but it's damaging the work that's been done towards social cohesion. Mm -hmm. So that's a long-winded answer to your question, but identity is shaped by lived experience. Um, in the U.S., my teacher educator was first and foremost really concerned about race and racism because that's been, you know, on the forefront of politics in the U.S. Um, and as a social justice educator, you know, it's certainly something that she's been concerned with for a long time. Um, in England, the history educator, I think, was more shaped by his interest in genocide education and also his early experiences as a teacher in very innovative schools and then working at a university with a very, you know, creative um, boundary breaking uh, teacher educator slash scholar. So a combination of, you know, personal, professional and societal experiences. Also one of my other teacher educators in Northern Ireland was a human rights activist. Um, so that's a big, emphasis of her work on human rights. Yeah, and can you go into more detail on how that identity shaped practically the experiences that they had with the pre-service teachers that they were working with? Yes, they certainly brought their experiences into their work with pre-service teachers. Um, so the human rights activist in Northern Ireland was very concerned about protecting children and teachers. And um, she talked about teaching controversial issues in ways that were, quote, safer. Mm -hmm. You know, we can't always guarantee complete safety, but safer and also pragmatic because there are lots of institutional constraints in schools. So it was interesting because she and so that was Paula, right? Mm -hmm. Paula and Mark um, had some differences in terms of the way that they dealt with emotions in the classroom. And I know that that was something that you were interested in as well. Sure. So Paula um, really advised her pre-service teachers to avoid provoking students' emotional reactions. She was more interested in political understanding. She didn't think it was realistic to change attitudes. Her course was citizenship. Unfortunately, citizenship is a very, very important but extremely low status subject in the schools in Northern Ireland. And so, you know, citizenship classes could happen for only 35 minutes once a week for maybe 10 weeks out of the year, if you're lucky. Sometimes it doesn't even, it's not even a separate class. And so she didn't think that it was wise for teachers to go in you know, provoking a lot of emotions from students and expecting that they were really going to be able to change students' deeply held attitudes mm -hmm. in such a constrained situation. So she emphasized framing issues in public terms rather than personal terms, like rather than going in and saying, what's your opinion about, you know, um, abortion, which just became legal in Northern Ireland last year. You know, you would frame it in terms of human rights, you would frame it in terms of, you know, what are the different perspectives that people in this society have on this issue? And 
stay away from emotional provocation. So Mark, on the other hand, um, is a peace educator who, you know, even during the troubles started working on promoting reconciliation and doing a lot of work both within schools and also outside of schools. So taking students on residentials for like overnights or weekends um, where there was an opportunity to do a lot more intensive community building, building of trust, really getting into um, identity and emotion. In his course, um, he, in his history course in particular, he talked with his pre-service teachers about getting students to be metacognitive about their emotional reactions and their community identities. And that could be done in a variety of ways. One way was actually using fictional characters that were sort of emblematic representatives of different and extreme points of view. And, you know, using humor, getting students to laugh about those extreme positions and how those characters represented them, but also getting them to sort of take up those different perspectives and talk about, well, what's underneath, you know, this radical thing that so-and-so is saying? Um, how do we really understand that given their background and their identity? And so that was really interesting. So I want to talk a little bit about Mark and use him sort of as a, as, a, as a tool to think about a broader question of who can do this work. So Mark is the first educator who appears in your book. He lives and teaches, as you've said, in Northern Ireland. And as I was reading, after being introduced to Mark, I was struck by the idea that maybe not everybody is equipped to teach controversial issues in their classrooms. And this may seem obvious, um, and to elaborate, as you, um, as you uh, alluded to, uh, Mark has been around during the Troubles. He had a powerful response to an event in his life, Bloody Sunday, um, January 30, 1972, in which British shoulders opened fire on peaceful civil rights activists, uh, pro activist protesters, killing 14 of them. Um, and this event, uh, you quote him saying that uh, it made him think that more radical nationalism may have had a case and that there is a need for social reform at a much deeper level, end quote. And so those were Mark's words, but not all social studies teachers have experiences like this. And, you know, maybe there's something unique about high school social studies teachers that just make them more politically inclined than the typical high school teacher. Um, but I'm interested in this because I think about current attempts to infuse anti-racist practices into the K-12 space, yet the vast majority of pre-service teachers are white. Very few of them experienced any sort of anti-racist curriculum growing up. Whiteness studies would suggest that it takes a lot of work to prepare these folks to step outside of their whiteness and be able to address issues of race and racism personally, let alone in a classroom of 20 or 30 kids. So I guess the question is, how do you get passionate about this work, work that I think is essential? It is more important, in my opinion, than some of the other things that we're teaching in school. Because as a nation, if we lose what semblance of democratic practices that we've had, and I acknowledge not all populations have experienced those democratic rights as much as some others, but do you agree that with Mark, that teachers need to have some prior experience with controversial issues, and I guess the will to be an agent of change prior to actually taking this up in their, in their classrooms? 
It's such a great question, and it's also a difficult question. Um, you know, I, I would want to qualify a little bit about what, what Mark said, because mm -hmm. he, he was specifically talking about the citizenship teachers that he recruited for his citizenship course. Um, but in his history course, he asked uh, his students one day, actually, he was taking something that I had told him about um, a history educator that I met with in London who said we shouldn't think of history as controversial because that's kind of like putting a stigma on it. Mm -hmm. So let, let's not think about controversial issues. It's all just history. So I, I went back and told Mark about that. And um, Mark brought that to his class. And he said, what do you think? You know, should we just think of this as history or, you know, are there controversial issues here? And his students got really animated and mm -hmm. said, basically, are you kidding me? history in Northern Ireland is controversial. Yeah. So I think that going into a lot of depth and taking an approach that does elicit emotion um, is certainly risky territory, especially if teachers have not done a lot of you know, transformational work as, as Mark said. Um, I think there are a lot of ways to do that kind of work. I think some people go into therapy. Some people do professional development explicitly focused on, you know, like you were talking about anti-racism, what have you. Um, some people have are activists, you know, some people have political experience, but obviously there are going to be a lot of teachers who don't. And I think, again, I go back to teacher education and the responsibility that teacher education has to um, prepare teachers who are going to have their consciousnesses raised about social justice problems. And um, I think USF does quite a good job of that. I mean, I've, I've talked with many, many people who have come out of our program who say that that's one of the things they appreciate most about the program. And I think other programs do that as well. So, but you know, the, the larger question that you're raising about what we're expecting teachers to do at this moment is really critical and, and really hard to answer because we are expecting a great deal. And, you know, we know that there's like a significant portion of teachers who voted for Donald Trump. So it's, it's an, it's a naughty, naughty problem. Um, but yeah, I would not push teaching controversial issues on anyone. I'm really interested in working with teachers who are open to it and interested and willing to learn um, and approach their practice really thoughtfully. I wouldn't recommend it for teachers who who um, aren't really thoughtful about their practice and, and willing to um, be open to challenging learning experiences. Well, so I think that's a good segue into the next question. So provided that teachers can learn how to do this work and are interested in doing this work, what gets in the way of doing it? And we've already, I think, touched on a couple of those things. Um, but I appreciate in your book that you highlight that it's not just the responsibility of high school social studies teachers to facilitate these democracy enriching classroom conversations. You write, 
I quote, teaching controversy is sometimes bolstered and sometimes undermined by individual, institutional, and societal factors, end quote. So can you talk about what those forces are? Because this is an area that I am particularly passionate about, thinking about uh, how to instantiate change in the K-12 space. And you can't just will something to happen. You're dealing with uh, multiple factors and how to, uh, how to address each of those as you, you know, attempt to try to make some transformation. Yeah, I really appreciate that question. And you're making me think it's probably because of my work in school reform before I became a teacher educator, because, you know, I had firsthand experience with barriers to to change. Um, Well, so we know from prior research that teachers are really nervous about teaching controversial issues, not across the board, but in a lot of cases because of the risks that may accompany Mm -hmm. this practice, like classroom conflict, like students getting hurt by statements made by their peers, by pushback and worse from parents and community members who hear about what's going on. from administrators who may impose sanctions. So those are some of the the contextual factors that may come into play. And then, as I talked about before, there's also like really constricted timetables and curricular mandates and, you know, uh, teachers having to prepare students for exams. So, and then there's larger social tensions. So in a really polarized society like the United States, depending on where you teach, um, that could be also a big constraining factor. So there's lots of different things. I think, you know, one of the things that you had asked about was um, this theory that I developed called contained risk-taking. And maybe this is a good time to talk about that. So um, I was especially interested when I uh, was observing in these methods courses and interviewing teacher educators and pre-service teachers to find out how teacher educators were preparing their students for the risks involved that make teaching controversial issues potentially fraught. So what I learned in analyzing my data was that there was this pattern there was this pattern that emerged across all four teacher educators, which is that they taught both explicitly and implicitly several strategies for containing these risks. And I actually came up with that term, contain risk-taking, from looking at um, a study that was done by Allison Kitson and Alan McCulley, uh, an article, a short article that was published in 2005, where they interviewed history teachers in Northern Ireland about their history teaching, um, partly in relationship to uh, controversial issues. And they um, developed three categories that these teachers fell into. So one category was the avoiders those history teachers who just avoided controversy at all costs, did not want to touch it. Second category was the containers. So these were teachers who taught about the controversies, but kept their distance, um, played it safe, basically, didn't get too deep into what these controversies were all about with students, took a disciplinary approach to teaching history, but, you know, did not... um, 
did not get into any kind of provocation. And the third category were the risk takers. And those were the teachers who also used a disciplinary approach to teaching history, but they used immersive pedagogies, you know, like simulation and other kinds of discussion methods. And they use provocative resources like political wall murals to really get students thinking and talking about what was going on in their society. They were really concerned with making the connection between the past and the present. So what I observed was that all the teacher educators prepared their students to explore controversial issues from different perspectives. But at the same time, they taught their students strategies to keep things relatively contained. Mm -hmm. And so I would say that this approach kind of fell between containment and risk-taking. Um, and I think that actually it's really helpful because what we're seeing now in the US, like I said before, is so polarized, so contentious. You know, there's so much disagreement about so many things, including fact versus fiction, which, by the way, is crucial. I mean, media education absolutely needs to be part of teaching controversial issues because we're not having deliberations about fact versus fiction. You know, we need to ascertain that these perspectives are legitimate and backed up by evidence. They're valid. Um, but in any case, I identified eight strategies that you know, across all the four teacher educators were taught to contain the risks. And I think they constitute actually a really helpful framework for reflective practice in teaching controversial issues. So that helps with, you know, the institutional and other contextual factors that can make this work really challenging. And you had said that they would keep things contained, those teachers. Can you just uh, you know, elaborate a little bit on what that means to keep things contained in their classrooms? Well, you know, like I said, I think that it falls between containment and risk-taking. You know, the lines are kind of blurry, but, you know, there may be risk-taking like, you know, like I said, bringing in very provocative resources that would stimulate thinking and emotion, right? But um, at the same time, there are things like carefully selecting timing and framing controversial questions. So selecting questions, like I said before, that where you know that the perspectives that you're taking up have validity, right? Like, you know, um, the results of the presidential election, we're not going to take that up. That's no. that, you know, that it's a closed question, a close, a settled question. Exactly. Thank you. Um, so selecting really appropriate and good questions for the classroom, timing these issues so that you're building a gradient of controversy, uh, meaning that you're starting with issues that are more distant and less provocative. So should 16 year olds have the right to vote? You know, that would be a great question to start with, right? And then building up over time to ones that require more trust mm -hmm. and that are riskier, right? Um, and then framing questions, like I said before, with Paula in public versus personal terms. Mm -hmm. So rather than starting with, you know, what's your opinion about this? I mean, first you want to build some knowledge, right? You want to bring in maybe conflicting human rights that you could evaluate the question along. And then um, 
looking at different perspectives that exist out there in the public. And then at the end, concluding with self-positioning. And that might be done privately or publicly. So if it's something that's really sensitive and you're worried about um, students being harmed in some way by revealing, you know, their personal opinions and experiences, then it could be private with just you as the teacher. Yeah. So it's, it's, there's a lot of judgment involved, obviously, along the way. Yeah. And I like the concept of the gradient of controversy. And I yeah, I'm actually about- taking that, by the way, I just want to attribute that to Alan McCulley, okay. who's written a lot about teaching controversial issues in Northern Ireland. When I was talking with, I can't remember if it was when I was talking with Paula McAvoy or Diana Hess or both of those conversations. I'm a big fan of science fiction, and there's a lot of interesting science fiction out there that could be used to uh, expose students to some of these issues in a more impersonal way. And so that was something that we had talked a little bit about um, as an entry point uh, to try to develop some of the skills to have those deliberative conversations before getting into maybe some of the the controversies that hit home a little bit more. Mm -hmm. It's great. Um, So with the remainder of our time, I want to shift gears a little bit. And uh, I want to talk about teacher ed programs. You know, in the in the U.S., there's this big push toward alternative teacher certification programs, and you allude to this in your book. And you also say that you think that traditional university teacher ed programs are better equipped to support pre-service social studies teachers. So I think this is uh, a fascinating uh, point to make. I'm curious why you think that's the case. Um, why do you think that those traditional programs are better equipped to do this work than some of these alternative teacher cert programs? Well, the simple answer is that there's a lot more time for coursework, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, teaching controversial issues requires thoughtful practice, and there's a lot of, actually, there's a lot of theory that informs the practice. So it takes time, and it also takes um, instructors who are knowledgeable about the scholarship and able to make those connections between theory and practice. That's that's the simple answer. Yep, and I I, I like that answer. Um, and I think the time piece is, is so important as well, is giving those pre-service teachers space outside of their classrooms to uh, just interact with theory to practice some of these things um, before trying to apply them in a space um, that uh, it feels a little bit more high stakes. Um, well, one, one of the differences um, in methods courses between the US and uh, England and Northern Ireland was that there was practice teaching that happened, mm-hmm. right, in, in uh, Liz's social studies course. Uh, she had more time to do that and she was knowledgeable about it. And so students had the opportunity to actually teach at least two issues, uh, two, yeah, two lessons around a controversial issue to their peers and get feedback. And they really appreciated that. They really, really valued that. Yeah, I think about uh, my... Uh... My time as a sixth grade math teacher, the school that I taught at was big into restorative practices. And during maybe once every three or four months, we'd have a faculty meeting 
and that would be focused on developing some of those skills. And mm -hmm. basically, we would be cold called on and be forced to uh, uh, put ourselves into a situation um, where I would either play the teacher and another teacher would play the student or vice versa. And it was incredibly painful, but at the mm -hmm. same time, uh, it allowed us to develop some of those skills again. Mm -hmm. in a, I don't want to say a lower stakes environment because obviously you're in front of your peers mm -hmm. and you want to perform well um, yeah. and it was stressful, but uh, practicing that outside of your experiences with students as a way to just develop those skills a little bit more. So, you know, we've we've talked about the experiences of those teacher educators. Uh, I'm curious how the teachers that they worked with, what was the impact on, on their practice? Well, I got to interview the pre-service teachers after, I did a series of interviews with them throughout the year, but the last interview was after they did their student teaching in three cases. And in one case, it was after they had been in the class in their own first year classroom for several months because that methods course started in the spring rather than the fall. So I needed to follow up with them after they had taught. And um, what I found was that, you know, the vast majority did have the opportunity to teach a controversial issue, at least one, if not more. And um, I found something really interesting and I developed this second grounded theory um, along with contained risk-taking that I call adaptive appropriation of pedagogical tools. So um, we know that pre-service teachers learn to teach by appropriating um, or adopting the pedagogical tools that they learn from their methods courses and from their school placements and so on. Um, there's a problem though, because often there's a huge disconnect between the university and its ideals, like I said before, and what's possible in the classroom and also what's being supported by the school placement. So what I found was that the pre-service teachers were actually able to adapt pedagogical tools that they learned from their methods courses to fit their students the curriculum they were assigned to teach, um, the schools where they were teaching and those institutional constraints that I talked about and their own emerging teacher identities. And that played out in different ways. So I can give you an example to just illustrate it. So Paula taught her students what we call structured academic controversy. She actually called it deliberation. Um, and that's done in groups of four, right? And students, you know, read different texts with different arguments and they take turns presenting those arguments. And then at the end, they deliberate about their own points of view. So in one case, Margaret was able to really do an extensive appropriation of uh, the structured academic controversy because she was teaching a politics class and she had uh, two days. So one day was spent on preparing in class for the deliberation. And she had prepared resource packets. It, the deliberation was on um, you know, whether certain victims from the troubles should be compensated. It was about defining what, what is a victim that should be eligible for compensation. And you know, she brought in these amazing resources. And then that night for homework, she had her students do their own research and so they added arguments to what she had already provided them. 
And then the next class was devoted to their deliberation, which was terrific. Um, Andrew, on the other hand, was teaching citizenship. So he had, like I said, a 35 minute class. By the time kids get settled, it's 30 minutes. And then in one class period, he had to teach about um, freedom of expression as a human right. This is in the United Nations Declaration of Human Rights, what that's all about. He had to teach about racist speech on the internet and how that was showing up in Northern Ireland. And then in pairs, he had students deliberate with one another for maybe 10 minutes or so on whether they thought racist speech on the internet should be censored. That was the controversial question. And he wanted to conclude with a discussion about you know, how they could take action to fight against racism. He never got there. You know, he had to cut the deliberation short. He wasn't able to really develop the conclusion that he wanted because he was so constrained by time. Yeah. But he still was able to do it. You know, he took this tool that he had learned from Paula's class and made it happen with his students. So I was impressed by the pre-service teacher's ability to adaptively appropriate these tools that they had learned. Yeah, it's the uh, the job of the teacher to iterate, to take what they've got and uh, and do what they can with it and uh, try to do all that within the constraints of uh, yeah, their their uh, the culture that they're that they're operating in. Um, so yeah, well, I want to be respectful of your time. Um, this was lovely, and I enjoyed our conversation a lot. Um, and, I did too. Uh, I'm looking forward to hopefully chatting more. Anything else that you want to add before um, before hopping off? If anybody wants to contact me, feel free to email pace at usfca.edu. Hope you enjoy the book. Um, Thank you so much, Matt, for having me on. I really, really enjoyed talking with you. It's great to great to be here. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks, Judy.